morning, New Life Church. How are we doing this morning? Come on, make some noise if you're glad to be in church today. That's what I like to hear. Hey, uh, thank you guys for being here this morning. Uh, you may notice I am not Kevin, much better looking than he is, but he is in uh, Conway today. Him and Robbie are in Conway. They're bringing the word over there, so uh, wish them the best of luck while they're up there. They always have a great time when they're at uh, the mothership, as we sometimes call it, but uh, they're doing great things over there, and it's always a treat to hear Kevin speak. But today you get me, and so if I haven't got to meet you yet, my name is Craig. I'm one of the pastors here, and we're just so glad that you're with us today. It's good to be back home. Um, you, some of you may not know this, but uh, myself, my wife, and uh, a crew from our real-life team and students uh, just got back from an 11-day trip to China, and so uh, we spent some time there. And I think we have some pictures to show you guys uh, of our trip. Yeah, there we are. That's the downtown Macau right there just walking through. We had a great time uh, during the trip. Uh, we got to do some VBS stuff. That's some of the pictures that you're seeing here. We got to do VBS for five days in Macau at Pujing Middle School and uh, got to just have a lot of fun with the kids there. Um, we, uh, during our time of doing VBS, we actually uh, got to see 90 plus kids make decisions for Christ. Come on. Can we give it up for that today? Kids making decisions, it's amazing. Um, we also spent time in Hong Kong and Zhuhai, and uh, we got to uh, work with an amazing church uh, while we were there also called Lifehouse uh, Church. Uh, they have uh, campuses all throughout the Pacific Rim. Their main hub is in Hong Kong. And uh, while we were there, we were helping them do some outreach stuff. Um, they were getting ready to plant uh, a campus in Macau. And so we got to do some stuff with them, outreaches, and we got to be part of their very first launch service uh, on that Saturday. It was a, they called it Church in the Park. They don't have a building or anything yet, so they're meeting in a park. And so we got to help out, do worship, and just make connections with people. It was amazing. We got to pass out Bibles at the uh, ruins of St. Paul to mainland China tourists who were coming in, because you can't do that in mainland China. And so we got to hang out and just pass out. We passed out hundreds of Bibles that were written all in Mandarin to people. So it was just an amazing trip. Uh, we made a lot of new friends while we were there. You saw some pictures of them. Uh, we made a lot of new friends. Uh, we're going to get to see some of them back in the States in December. So you'll get to see some of those uh, guys back here with us uh, in December. They're going to make the trip here for Christmas. And, uh, and we, didn't, we went into this trip not planning on going back for next year, but uh, that country just touched our hearts so much. We made so many good connections. We're already planning a trip for next summer to go back. And so uh, it was an amazing time. We had a lot of fun. One of the things that you realize on a trip like that is that you get really close to the people you're around. Um, we had a team, uh, like I said, it was uh, nine of us from our campus. We met up with six other people from uh, Conway and GLR, uh, a lot of OBU at NLC students, and um, just got to get to know them. Some of those we had never met, really. Um, but you, you really get to know a group uh, when you spend 11 days consecutively, all hours with that group. Um, the polish kind of goes off after a while, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, a lot of times, you know, if you, if you come to church, you see your church friends. You come to church, you're prepared to meet people in public, right? Okay, you're, you're putting on clothes that you want the public to see you in. It's kind of like uh, social media. When you post something, the intention is that you want people to see that. You are seeing pictures that people intended for you to see. That Cobb salad that one lady posts every week, okay, they meant for you to see that. For whatever reason, though, they meant for you to see that. And social media is kind of that way. But when you spend that much time with people, uh, 
all the niceties, all of the polished look, all of this is how I presented myself kind of goes away. And so you guys may have followed some of our team on social media while we were in China, and you may have seen uh, cool pictures like the ones I just showed, pictures of our team leading worship with the kids and them doing motions to the songs. Or you may have seen pictures of the Hong Kong skyline or when we were at Sky City Church on Sunday night and, and worshiping with those guys. Or you may have seen selfies with us and some of the natives there and, and just hanging out and having a good time at, at, uh, at, at Chinese McDonald's, okay, which, by the way, is, is very similar to our McDonald's. It's nothing crazy, although they did have some noodles, which was weird. But you, you, you get really close, and you may see those pictures, but what you don't see are the more real moments. Those are the moments that we got to see firsthand. That's when you get really close to people. You didn't see moments like when Zach Smith's, one of Zach Smith's luggage um, didn't make it to Hong Kong. Instead, it made it to Honolulu. <laughs> Okay, all week long. And I'm not going to go into detail, but there were some very important items of clothing in that bag that he kind of needed that he didn't get to have. Or the time when he got seasick on the ferry ride from Hong Kong to Macau. You didn't see those pictures. And I wish nobody would see those pictures ever. You didn't see the pictures that, uh, that of all of our ankles when we got back. When we landed in Little Rock, we looked at our feet, and our ankles are just swollen to the size of softballs because we spent 30 hours in airplanes and in airlines and in airports and on ferries and subways and taxis. You didn't see all that stuff. You didn't see um, all the girls throughout the trip. None of them were wearing makeup. You know you're close, okay? When you see girls without their makeup on, all right, you know you're in tight-knit quarters. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about real friendship, real, genuine friendship, real relationships. Not the social media fluff, but real relationships. And so this morning, I want to read a passage of Scripture. It's a story that most of us probably know, but I want to look at it from a different perspective today. And so if you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me to the book of Luke. If you don't have your Bible, it's okay. We love technology. It'll be on the screens, okay? But the, the, the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 17. This story, I feel like, really nails what real friendship looks like. So I want to read it together real quickly. One day, while Jesus was teaching, some Pharisees and teachers of religious law were sitting nearby. It seemed that these men showed up from every village in Galilee and Judea, as well as from Jerusalem. The Lord's healing power was strongly with Jesus. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, Young man, your sins are forgiven. I want us to pray real quick. God, we thank you so much for what you're doing in this place. We love you. We thank you for this word today, God. God, we thank you for what we can get out of this. God, I pray that it not be my words that be spoken, but it be your message that comes out. God, that that this message today, God, not be something I dreamt up, God, but it affect people, God, in more ways than we can ever know. God, I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I don't know how you guys process information. Um, I don't know how you read scripture, how you, how you process it, how you study. For me, I'm a very visual learner. So when I'm looking at, when I'm reading scripture, or I'm reading a story, even just a novel or whatever it may be, I, I kind of try to dive a little deeper. I try to imagine, I try to picture it in my head. And, and when it comes to scripture, I always like to read between the lines a little bit. I want to see, I want to I feel a little bit of the emotion that maybe they felt. I want to know what, what led up to this moment. 
You know, Scripture gives us the highlights in a lot of times, and sometimes it dives deeper, but a lot of times it may not give us the backstory on some of these characters that we know about so well. And so when it comes to this story, I've always been fascinated with it. I've always been fascinated by the situation, and we tend to focus a lot on Jesus and the miracle, but this morning I want to focus more on the paralyzed man and his four friends. See, this is how I picture it happening. Okay, so Jesus is... He's fairly early on in his ministry. He's starting to become a little bit more popular. People recognize who he is. Word is spreading about this man. Everybody knows he's a healer. He's, he could be the Messiah, and everybody's looking at him and, and wondering who he is, and so crowds are starting to form. So he goes away. He goes to a couple cities, and he's making his way back now, and, and he's basically having a life group at Peter's house. And he's sitting there, he's teaching, he's telling people. Pharisees start to show up, religious leaders start to show up. Uh, the Bible says a lot of people uh, think that they had like a front row seat almost, that they were sitting because they were respected in the community. But you also had people who were coming in from miles around different cities, and they were sitting in the windows and, and peeking in over the doors and crowding everywhere around this house. Any little crevice that they could fit in to hear the word of God, they wanted to hear you had people on their tiptoes, and I, I can just picture, you know, parents with kids on their shoulders just so they can get a glimpse of who Jesus is and what he's talking about. And so the chaos is starting to happen, and the word is starting to spread, and I picture this paralyzed man. I picture him at home, just chilling out, hanging out. He's got nothing else to do, right? So he's just hanging out at home, and he's, he's, he's kind of, you know, he's been in this predicament for a long time. And I imagine his four friends busting through the door. Dude, listen, man, there is, there's a guy, it's that Jesus guy we've been hearing about so much. He's, he's in town. He can heal you, bro. If you will just, let's just go to him. Let's, let's, let's get you to that house, and he can, he can heal you. He can make you walk again. But I picture this guy, chances are he's been paralyzed for a long time, maybe his entire life. And if I were this man, in my mind, I'm thinking, I've tried everything. I've tried all kinds of medicine. I've tried all the drugs that the doctor has told me. to. I've gone to every physical therapist I know. I've tried all the magicians that are around, the witch doctors. I've tried essential oils, okay? I've tried it. Didn't work either. I've tried everything. And I, I can't get my hopes up about this man people are talking about. I just can't do it again. I can't. I can't expect to be healed in this scenario. And with that kind of expectation in this man's mind, it had to be a big convincing job for these friends to convince him to go. Maybe they even had to forcibly pick him up, throw him on the mat, and drag him to the house where Jesus was. I don't know what the circumstance was. We don't know how he got there. All we know is that he got there. And it leads me to my first point. If you're a note taker this morning, I'm going to give you four quick things. Four things about real friendships. Number one, real friendships love like Jesus. Real friendships love like Jesus. These friends got that. They had the heart of Jesus well before they even knew him. They loved this man and they wanted to do. One of the big things, I'm going to read it to you. John 15, verse 12 through 14. Some of you guys probably know this. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. There's two quick ways I want to talk about how Jesus loved people. The first way is this. Jesus loved people by going to where they were. 
He went to where they were. I love reading about Jesus. I love reading the Gospels and reading about Jesus because Jesus did not stay in one spot. He didn't stay in one house, in one temple, on one mountain and said, everybody come to me. He'd say, if you got a problem, spread the word. Tell everybody to come to me. No, Jesus didn't operate that way. He went to people. He went and found them. He went to where their need was. He went to the house of Zacchaeus and had dinner with him. He had fellowship with him. He connected with him. He went to go reach him. He went to the centurion's house to heal his servant. He went to the grave of Lazarus. when It may have been late. It may have been four days late, but he was there. He made his way there. He walked on the water to meet Peter where he was. Jesus was always going to people. He wanted to meet them where they were. It would have been easy for Jesus just to snap his fingers or say the word, and all of those things would have still been done. But Jesus went to where people are. We have to do that also. We have to love like Jesus. Listen, I love the local church. I'm a big fan. I have been almost all of my life. I love the local church. And if the last few months of being in this building have taught me anything, it's that in 2017 as a church, you need a facility. You need a place for us to do things. Um, in just the few months that we've, we've had this place open, we've done so many more events here and, 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 and s- different services and different things that we've done here that we could have never done at our old location. I'm so thankful for this place. But I also think that as Christians for a long time, we have been using the church building as a crutch. It's been something that we point people to. Oh, you're hurt, you're, you're needing something, we'll go to church. Go on Sunday, they'll fix you up. Oh, you're, 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 you're feeling lonely and you need, you need some, go to church, they'll fix you up. Oh, you, you, you need something, you're not, if you need, you need prayer, okay, go to the church on Sunday, they'll take care of you. We point people to a church building instead of being and loving like Jesus and going to them, taking them by the hand and taking them straight to Jesus. The church is important. The church does a lot of things. We are in this place today so we can come together, worship together. But the church building is not the answer. Jesus is. Jesus loved people by going to where they were. Another way Jesus loved was by sacrificing himself. He gave his life, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Jesus loved us by giving And so I want to ask you a challenging question maybe this morning for a lot of you, and it's this. Are you giving something for your relationships? Are you giving up something? Are you sacrificing something in your friendships, in your relationships, in your marriages, in your relationships with your children, with your family, with your coworkers? Are you giving something up? Are you giving something up? I always always laugh uh, when, when I talk about love, because the word love gets thrown around a lot nowadays, right? Okay, even on your phone, if you have an iPhone, you know, the new text messaging thing, you can, you can love a text message. So somebody sends you a text message, you know, about the new, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy movie, and you love it. Do you really love it? I mean, do you, do you really love it, or are you just hitting the heart to make, you know, it's better than the thumbs up, right? Okay, that's, just, that's how we quantify love nowadays. It's, it's a step above a thumbs up. I don't really, you know, it's, it's more than a like. I love it. But when I think of love, I think of the love that Jesus loved. For God so loved the world that he 
gave his only son. The kind of love I'm talking about is a sacrificial love. It's worth dying for. That's when I, I knew I loved my wife whenever I, I remember it vividly. I remember sitting there going, I would, I would die for her. I would take a bullet in the head so that she could live. That's love. That's the kind of love I've got. I don't think you love that green tea smoothie on Instagram as much as that, okay? I don't think you would die for a green tea smoothie. We, we, we misuse the word love, and Jesus is saying, I'm loving people like that. And so the challenge is, are we loving people the way Jesus loves? Number two, real friendships require work. Real friendships require work. Galatians 6, 2 says this, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Definition of to bear means to support or hold up. So to lift up, to hold the weight of it. The definition of burden is a load, especially a heavy one. So a burden is something significant. It's heavy. So the scripture is basically telling us that the heaviest things in your friend's life that they are carrying, it's your job to hold them up. The things in your friend's life that are the heaviest on them, they weigh heavy on them, they, they burden them so much that it's hard for them to carry on. Our job as a real friend, a genuine friend, is to hold those things up. Paul even goes a step further and it says, that is how you fulfill the law of Christ. I can't tell you how many times I've read that scripture and just skimmed over that last part. That it's not just enough. Listen, speaking into it in front of a crowd, the word of God, man, it's important. It's important. We have to have that. Going on a missions trip, important. Serving on a worship team, important. Teaching our kids in kid life and little life and, and 412 and all the other ministries, important. Doing VBS, serving in those ways, important. Leading a life group, important. But, but he is saying here that to fulfill the law of Christ, you have to bear one another's burdens. It's loving like Jesus loved. It's putting in the work and saying, I know what you're going through. I know you're going through something heavy. Let me help you with the load, being the compassion of Christ. I love what it, it goes on. Verse 3, it says this, and nobody is exempt from it, okay? Verse 3 says this, if you think you're too important to help somebody, you're only fooling yourself. I love this. You are not that important. Come on, turn next to somebody and tell them you are not that important. Do it. Come on, let somebody know next to you, Okay? Now, that was a test. If you're a male and you're married and you told your wife that, that's on you, buddy. Okay, I'm sorry. That's on you, all right? I didn't say Simon Says. All right, um, the four friends in this story, they got this. They understood that they had to do the work. If they wanted their friend to be healed, if they wanted to be a real friend, they had to put in the work and do something about it. I don't know... If anybody here, maybe you do, and if you do, I want to hear this story. I don't know if anybody here knows what it's like firsthand to pull a paralyzed man up on top of a roof, okay? If you do, I really, I want to hear the story after service if you have done this before because I'm, I'm curious. I don't know what that's like. I don't know the amount of effort that it took. A lot of people believe that the house that they're talking about was actually a two-story house. It was a two-level house. And uh, some people say, well, maybe there were stairs. A lot of people think that, no, there weren't stairs because you could be, you know, it could be burglarized or whatever. And so they had to haul this man, this paralyzed, this limp-bodied man up on top of a roof in order to get him to Jesus. I don't know what that's like, but I do have a dog, okay? 
And I want to tell you a little bit about my dog, Marcy, okay? It's really Lauren's dog, Marcy. I don't claim it. Um, a few years ago, we had some bad storms come through the area, and we had a lightning strike really close to our house. And it, it struck one of the trees around our house and fried the tree, swirled it up, killed a squirrel. It was tragic. It was a bad deal. And I, I really think that our dog may have gotten zapped. I just, I think that, okay? Now, physically, our dog was fine. You couldn't tell anything different. But he mentally and emotionally scarred forever, apparently. Because anytime the atmosphere changes, anytime there is a cloud in the sky, anytime there is one raindrop that she goes berserk. I'm talking she claws at the doors like, you know, the devil is behind her. She is trying to get in the house. And the only way to calm her down is to put her in her kennel. And uh, close her in. And eventually she, she quits hyperventilating and she calms down a little bit. And, but the problem is she does not like going in there. And she's like a 70-pound dog. So she's not like some little poodle or Jack Russell. I wanted a Jack Russell. I didn't get a Jack Russell. But this dog, I'm telling you, she's smart. She knows when it's time to go in the kennel. So you open the door. She's sitting there like, ha you're about to do this, aren't you? And she will start backing up. And then she will lay down on the ground, on her back, all four feet in the air, okay? Just, she just knows it's coming. She knows what you're about to do. And so you will reach down to try to pick her up, and she will pivot. <laughs> and she will pivot this way. She will wiggle her way to prevent you from picking her up. And then when you start to get a good grip, she, I'm not joking. I'm not making this up. She will push you away. She will just, all four, just push you away. And when you finally wrangle her like cattle or something, you pick her up and lift her up. You make your way to the kennel. I'm not joking. Please hear my honest truth. You get to the kennel. It's like a cartoon, guys. She all four out (laughs) at the door of the kennel. And she will push until you finally just have to cram her in there and lock her in. So I don't know what it's like to carry a man on a roof, but I know what it's like to put my dog in a kennel. And it's hard work. Okay? So I can't imagine what it was like to take a man up on top of a roof to drop, drop him down to Jesus. But what I do know is that it took work. Real friendship takes work. It means working at something. Miles Monroe says it this way. Friendship is not a gift. It's a result of hard work. But I want you guys to get this today. They were willing to do all the work if it meant getting him to Jesus. They were willing to put in all the sacrifice, the sweat, the the pulled muscles, whatever it took, the embarrassment, the looks, the stares. I mean, imagine this for a minute. Imagine the people inside of that house listening to Jesus intently and all of a sudden hearing. Nobody's paying attention to Jesus after that. Who is on the roof? Is it a squirrel? Okay. Is there an ostrich on the roof? I don't know. And all of a sudden, seeing little flakes falling down on Jesus. Nobody's paying attention. I work with students. Nobody's paying attention to Jesus at this point. And seeing a man, the embarrassment, the looks, the, the eyes, all of this stuff, it was worth it to them to get this man to Jesus. Are we willing to put the work in in our relationships to get people to Jesus? Number three, real friendships multiply, not divide. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this this morning, but this, this point to me is just so important. I just had, had to put this in here. It's not enough for us just to have a friend. Okay, For some of us, if I were to ask most of you, most of you would say, I've got a friend, a friend, at least a friend. 
or a spouse, somebody that you're close to, a brother or a family member that you're just really close to. It's not enough just to have one. It's not enough just to have a small circle, you four and no more. It's not enough to have a close, tight-knit group of friends. God is calling us to expand our horizons. The Bible says that we are a body of believers, that every part has its job. Every person has their role to play. It's not enough just to have one. We have to be willing to multiply and grow, not dividing ourselves and cutting off our legs and cutting off different parts. There's one reason why we pray for a different church every single week here. We want to connect with as many different believers as possible. We we don't want to separate ourselves and push back and and, and neglect. We want to stay connected. Ecclesiastes chapter 4 verse 9 says this, Two are better than one. Because they have good reward for their toil. For if they fail or fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. And this is the part I love. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. When you read through that scripture, a lot of it's talking about, hey, one person's not good. By yourself, uno, not good, okay? You can't do that. Two people will get the job done, though. Two people will keep you warm. Two people will make you withstand somebody. But then it goes on to say three is even better. A threefold cord is not easily broken. It's really hard to do that. And I imagine if the author had enough time and enough pages, he would say, and four is even better than that. And imagine what you could do with five. And six would be even that much greater. Imagine if we can grow and build and multiply the impact we can make. Imagine what we can do with more people, more people connected to us, more people in our groups. It's easy for us to to find our spouse or our small group of friends and and shut the door on the world. And just say, I'm going to focus all my energy right here. This This is my group. This is my tribe. And this is it. God is calling us to so much more than that. If we do that, not only are we discrediting ourselves, but we're, we're turning our back on what the Bible is telling us. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, it says this, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. This is not just a scripture churches use to get people here on 4th of July weekend, okay? It's an easy scripture. I've heard it my whole life. A lot of churches will, will say this. I've been guilty of this too. It, let's not forsake the, the assembly. Don't, you know, lake days, not good. Come to church, okay? No, lake days are okay, okay? Believe me, lake days are okay. But this is not talking just about church. This is talking about outside of these walls. Let's not neglect meeting together, meeting new people, connecting with people, being a friend to somebody in need, connecting with people. We have to connect. We have to grow together. We have to be one, a part of a bigger body. There's a really embarrassing story about me that I'm going to tell you guys. Um, When I was about 16 years old, um, I was playing keys at the church I was at way back then. And um, it was an Assembly of God church, and... Uh, back then, to around 2000, 2001 or so, um, you know, at this Assembly of God Church, at least, I don't know if this was this way, this was a, a lot of them that I went to at that time, but um, here at New Life, we do a pretty good job nowadays about keeping our services at right about an hour or so. This was not the case back then, okay? We did like six songs at the beginning of the worship set, okay? The, our motto was three fast, three slow, 
Okay, that's how we just did it. And then the message would happen, and the speaker would go at least an hour. Okay, just an hour speaking. And then a couple more songs at the end that we would repeat uh, into eternity. And just until, I think the goal was to just keep playing it until Jesus came back so we didn't have to do it again. Okay, I think that was really the goal. And so services would go two hours or so easy, no problem. And I remember one specific day, we had, I had, we had done the worship set, then I had gotten off stage, and I went to go sit down in the front row or something. And, and kind of like we do now, I would come up at the end of the message to play the speaker out. And during the message, I went and sat down, and I crossed my legs during service, and I forgot to switch my legs. <laughs> yes, yeah, some of you are getting it now. You know where I'm going with this. So the, the cue for me to come up happens. Let me get there. <laughs> and I, I stand, I'm like, this, that's my cue. And so I stand up and just woof, I mean, straight to the ground, face plant on the dirt, just pop, it's over. Okay, TKO, I'm out. And I'm laying on the ground thinking, maybe nobody saw it. And everybody saw, okay, just to let you know. And I'm laying on the ground and I'm like, oh, this is so embarrassing. But that wasn't the worst part. I still had to get on stage to play the piano. And so I slowly get up, knowing, and you know it's bad. Come on, church people. You know it's bad when you hear that one lady, bless him, Jesus. You know it's bad. Come on, you know it's bad then. And so I get up, and I'm doing this to, to the stage. The whole time, just shaking my leg, trying to get feeling back into I look like a dog going to the bathroom, you know, I'm up there. I'm just, and I'm standing at the keys, just trying to, to play this off all cool. I'm not that cool. I'm 16 years old. There ain't no way I'm being cool here. But that story got me thinking about that's so like us sometimes in our relationships. We will put so much focus and energy on certain areas that we become numb to others. We, we, we start to cut off areas of our life, people in our lives, because we've spent so much of our attention and our focus on one area. We are the body of Christ. We should be all working together in concert together for God. But instead, so often we, we separate ourselves and we put our attention on one area. And without us even knowing it sometimes, we start killing off and making numb and cutting off the circulation to other people. We have to stay connected. Number four, and I'm wrapping up. Real friendships make you better. Real friendships make you better. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron. And one man sharpens another. We are meant to make each other better. We are meant to make, we are meant to challenge each other. We're meant to encourage each other. We're meant to make each other better. C.S. Lewis says it this way friendship is unnecessary. Like philosophy or art, it has no survival value. Well, that's really encouraging, right? Okay. It has no survival value. But he goes on to say this rather, it's one of those things that give value to survival. Can you get to heaven with no friends? Yeah. I'm sure you can. Can you go through life with no friends, with no community, with no people around you? Yeah. Can you do ministry alone? It's going to be hard, but yeah. Can you be successful in business? Can you raise a family? Sure. But it won't mean anything without people around you. Community, friendship, relationships, real friends is what gives value to life. I'm going to close this morning with a story that out of Exodus chapter 17 that kind of puts a bow on this, shows you what it really means. In Exodus 17, there's the story of Moses and the Israelites. They're wandering, obviously, through the desert at this point. And 
Moses, Moses tells Joshua, they, they, they come in contact with Amalek and his army, and, and Moses tells Joshua, if you will go down there and get ready to fight, we're going to have a battle. And while you're down there fighting, I'm going to go up here on this mountainside, and I'm going I'm to take the staff of God in my hands when I do it. So the next day comes, Joshua goes down, faces Amalek and his army. They begin to fight. Moses goes up, has the staff of God in his hands, and he's holding his hands up. And he, as long as he have, had his hands in the air raised, the Israelites were winning. They were winning. They were triumphant. They were victorious. This was amazing. This was awesome. You've got to feel the rush of adrenaline Moses must have had. It's like, yes, this is great. We're doing it. We're winning. The power of God is amazing. But how many know your arms get tired when you hold them up for too long? Anybody ever been at a church service where the, the pastor asks you to raise your, raise your hands for something and then talks for 15 minutes? Okay. I, my, my students get on to me all the time because I do that. But you start out so good, you're like, your hands straight up in the air. You're like, yes, God. 30 seconds pass, they start drooping. Slowly you go to this motion. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for the feeling I no longer have in my pinky. And slowly you're doing this number. Then you, then you find a short friend to lean on, just something like that. Just anything you can do to keep that arm up. This is how Moses was in this moment. His arms grew weary. He grew tired. This was taking longer than he expected it to take. I think in Moses' mind, he's like, this is, this is going to be quick. This is going to be over so fast. I'm just going to go, it's over. It wasn't. It took time. And finally, Moses, he just couldn't do it anymore, and he dropped his hands. He's like, i gotta, I got to take a minute. And when his hands dropped, he started to notice that Amalek and his army were starting to win. The Israelites were starting to lose. And it's easy for us to just read that story and skip over this fact, but think about Moses for just a minute. He's looking down at the battle, and he's seeing people he's known for years die. He's seeing families being torn apart right before his very eyes. He's seeing them lose and being beaten and tortured and losing in war because his hands are down. So immediately he's like, I can't, I can't, I got to put my hands back up. So he puts his hands back up. Start to win again. But he can only do it for so long himself. And so Aaron and her, his name is her. It's not a her. His name is her. They see what's going on, and so they come over to Moses, and they, they grab a rock, a boulder, and they roll it behind Moses, and they say, hey, sit down, sit down. So Moses sits down, and then Aaron on one side, her on the other, they hold Moses' hands up for him, staff in the hand. And the victory belongs to Israel. Who's holding your hands up? Who are you supposed to be holding up? See, I love that story because at the very beginning, it's really easy for us to look because Moses is saying, I a lot. He's telling Joshua, I will go to, up to the mountain. I will hold the staff of God in my hands. But by the end of that story, it has nothing to do with Moses anymore. He can't do it by himself. He has to have people around him to make it happen. He has to have community around him to make the miracle happen. The story we talked about earlier, 
that paralyzed man would have never made it to Jesus if it wasn't for friends. He would have never made it to Jesus if it wasn't for those four men. Moses would have never seen the miracle if it wasn't for Aaron and her. Put people around you who make you better. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're the person who needs to be around somebody to make them better. Whatever it is, we can't do life alone. We can't isolate ourselves. We can't be the kind of person who says, I got this. I can handle whatever comes my way. I'm a man. Come on, listen, men, we are the worst at this. We got to get better. We got to be the ones in our families to stand up and say, I can't do this. Who's holding your hands up? I want you guys to bow your heads with me this morning.